T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. HD1, Westerly, Providence, Southern New England, Sports Original. Sports Original. 103.7 WEEI. Always live on the free Odyssey app. We now return to Meter and the Coach. Call the show at 401-737-1287. Southern New England, Sports Original. 103.7 WEEI. And welcome back. Final hour of Meter and the Coach. And, man, we got to get started with about 100 miles per hour because we have a jam-packed hour. Clayton Truder starts it for us. Spoke to him a few months ago. He is the outstanding author of Boston Ball. You're looking for a Hanukkah gift. Happy Hanukkah to all our listeners out there. You're looking for a Christmas gift. This is the one you want to go to. Rick Pitino, Jim Calhoun, Gary Williams, and the Forgotten Cradle of basketball coaches it's boston ball that's the title clayton good morning thanks for joining us again how are you doing well thank thanks so much for having me clayton as you uh have moved through this process the book was released uh, just a couple weeks ago uh first of all how's it going on that front on amazon and other places but also what you learned about patino calhoun and williams as you went through this uh rather lengthy process of writing this 376 page book I think it's going very well. The responses have been very positive from people, including many of the people who were discussed in the book. I made sure every interview we got a book, and I've heard very, very positive things on, on, on reflecting the experiences of many of these people in the book. In terms of what I learned about these guys, they all took very distinct paths to get where they were. I mean, Gary Williams was a soccer coach before he, before he ended up coaching at Boston College. He had to take a job that was halftime coaching soccer at, Louisville, at uh, Lafayette as well as halftime coaching basketball there to eventually uh, move forward. You have Jim Calhoun getting the job at Northeastern, taking over for a guy who left to join the FBI. Uh, Calhoun becomes the head coach at Northeastern in 1972, just two weeks before the season. He's taking, he's taking over a team that's transitioning from Division Two to Division One at the time. That's such a remarkable challenge. And Rick Pitino is a guy who becomes the head coach in Division One at age 25. He'd been an assistant for Jim Beheim a couple of years at Syracuse. And Syracuse told, and the Syracuse coach said to him, don't take that job. That's the worst job in the East. You're going to have six scholarships. You're competing against teams that, ha- that have a dozen scholarships. Well, Patino goes into his job interview and convinces the athletic director to double the number of scholarships. So that disadvantage quickly disappeared for him because he was as good as a salesman as he was a coach. Did we lose Clayton? Still there? Hello? Hello? Yeah, yes. I think we might have lost you there for a little bit, Clayton, but I'll pick up here. Uh, 
you know, I think one one theme that I I learned reading the book, and I kind of knew it, but it's still a theme that you kind of hammer home: the aggressiveness uh, from a coaching style of Patino and Calhoun and Williams, uh, a style of play built on fast break, up tempo offense, pressure defense, uh, board crashing, something that Tim Welsh respects. Uh, was that a current? Do you think that's a theme that still carries over? Oh, very much so. And I think in part it was a matter of necessity for all three of those coaches. They were recruiting against the big guys in college basketball in the Northeast, and they weren't going to be snagging, you know, an artist Gilmore or a Bob Lanier or somebody. So they had to get what they could, and they got a lot of smaller, quicker players and adopted a very fast-breaking, aggressive style of basketball, which in some ways was a throwback to what the likes of, say, Holy Cross had done in the 50s or, or City College of New York. So what was new in college basketball in the late 70s and, and early 80s in some ways was something old, a move away from the very big man dominated game of the 1970s. So Clay, give us some stories though. Give us some stories, some real stuff on these guys. Uh, what's the most interesting thing uh, that you found out about Jim Calhoun when you were going through his whole biography and history as a coach and uh, from when he started as a high school coach to when he retired at Connecticut? He's a remarkable story of perseverance. I mean, he's basically the man of his house when he's like 14 or 15 because his father died. I mean, he's working as a stone cutter in high school. He's cutting gravestones in Quincy, Mass. Well, well, going to high school, taking classes. Uh, and he does that for several years before he goes to college, before he ends up at uh, AIC in Springfield. Um, also, just in terms of coaching at Northeastern, he takes a pay cut to become a Division One college coach. He had a good union job as a high school teacher, had good benefits. He had a young family. He took the shot, and uh, and and it ended up it ended up working out. But this is a guy who ended up going from seventeen thousand dollars to fifteen thousand dollars to coach Division One basketball. That's interesting. What about Rick Pitino? Uh, and what about the relationship? A lot was said back in the old days about. Patino and, and Calhoun, their rivalry, BU, Northeastern, that always, uh, I think they both kind of openly talk about it now, laugh about it. But, you know, those two at a young age battling each other for for the surface, for the, the, the pavement, so to speak, in Boston, uh, anything that you can give us on that? Certainly. I mean, it was certainly a war there, and they used, both used that kind of language to describe that what went on. There were a lot of altercations in those games when their teams played and they added a lot of juice to a rivalry that had kind of diminished over the course of the 1970s. When Patino and Calhoun are first coaching each other, uh, you could hear those guys bellowing, bellowing in the gym because there's only like two or 300 people there. By the end, though, the games are, are full houses, both at the Case Center uh, as well as over at Matthews, Matthews Arena at Northeastern. So they really added a lot of juice to it. They would see each other regularly. They both run along the Charles River and they would just not even acknowledge each other when running by. The minute Patino leaves BU to take an assistance job with Hubie Brown with the Knicks, all of a sudden you can tell Calhoun misses them. They dominate the Northeastern dominates the rivalry, but a lot of the fire has gone from it. It, it comes back when Mike Jarvis ends up at BU, but for a couple of years it's down. And you see the quotes from Calhoun from the mid '80s, and you can tell he misses that rivalry and the and the excitement that that, that brought to college basketball in Boston, having that Patino Calhoun matchup when both BU and Northeastern were such strong programs. Gary Williams' uh, influence on Boston College. Uh, what did you learn about that, and what what Gary Williams, a young Gary Williams, uh, prided himself on? Well, he really kept things going. Tom Davis had done such a great job at BC building them up, 
1982, they'd been to the Elite Eight and lost to the earliest version of the Five Slam and Jamma Houston team. Um, the BC had lost a lot of guys from that team, was picked seventh in the Big East, but they go and they win in Gary Williams' first year, 82-83. They win the Big East regular season title. They end up in the Sweet 16. Um, they're ahead of Ralph Sampson's Virginia team in a Sweet 16 game with like three minutes left. They end up losing that game, but just a fantastic performance by that club. He gets them back to the uh, to the Sweet 16 in 1985. They're within a, a bucket of beating a Memphis team that gets to the Final Four. In 1985, BC plays all four of the Final Four teams that year, Memphis and then the three Big East teams uh, with Villanova, St. John's, and Georgetown, and they beat three of those four teams during the season. So BC had a unique window on that, probably the greatest year of the Big East with the three teams in the, the Final Four, something that had never happened before. I think Gary Williams' legacy at BC is really the continuing ability of a team that was often a bit underrated, recruiting-wise, wasn't quite at the level of, say, Villanova or Georgetown or Syracuse, being able to compete at the highest level in the Big East. They win two Big East regular season titles under him. They go to the Sweet 16 two times. Um, so really, it's continuity with what uh, Tom Davis had, had brought into BC a couple of years before that. Yeah, and so many uh, tapestries of players that these guys touched, uh, specifically when they coached in Boston, Patino, Arturo Brown, you, you talk about that in the book, and the late Arturo Brown who collapsed uh, on the court uh, and died uh, due to a heart attack. Uh, there's so many players. Of course, Jim Calhoun, you think of Reggie Lewis, uh, Gary Williams, touched on those early 80s teams. But what did you learn from some of the players when you spoke to them about these coaches? Well, one, one thing that's really striking with, with the BC element was their recruiting, that they really went into Connecticut and hit that hard in that era. Gary Williams and Tom Davis before him relied very heavily on Kevin Mackey, who went on to coach Cleveland State to the first real Cinderella team of the 64-team era. Cleveland State knocks off the season on the Brinke Indiana team, ends up losing the Sweet 16 to David Robinson and Navy. But Mackey, working on behalf of Davis and Williams, goes into Connecticut, gets John Bagley, it's Michael Adams, Jay Murphy, John Garris, four guys in four years that end up in the NBA. When Calhoun's there a few years later, there's no way he's getting all those guys out of Connecticut. Calhoun grew very effective at keeping a lot of the local talent around in the late 80s, Scott Burrell, Chris Smith, guys like that. But uh, BC had a real gold mine in Connecticut, which provided a lot of the talent for the successful teams they had in that era. Clayton, interesting stuff. Uh, what, what gave you the... Uh impetus to do this and you know what was your drive behind it and how co cooperative were these guys as you went and researched um i got the idea i was a i went to graduate school at boston college and i'm a lifelong basketball junkie and would regularly go to college games around the city and it occurred to me that that you had calhoun at northeastern and patino at bu and gary williams at bc all roughly at the same time coaches that all end up in the hall of fame it struck me as a book idea I'd finished my first book right as the pandemic got going. I was looking for another project and I decided to go with this. And it actually proved, I mean, strikingly, um, I don't know if easy is the word, but but it, it proved very doable. I, I did the book, the research and the writing in roughly a year, which is much faster than my, my previous book, in part because people were so cooperative. A lot of people were sitting at home without a lot to do. I knocked down, I think, 95 interviews in roughly three months for the book. I mean, every day I was interviewing one or two people. And uh, Gary Williams, I think, was actually the first or second person I actually interviewed for the book. And he was great to talk to. I had a very long conversation with Jim Gal Calhoun, who certainly has the gift of gab. And 
I, uh, you know, felt like his buddy at the Elks Club or something having a beer with him within about 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> I didn't speak with Patino for the book. He had a lot going on at the time, I guess. But uh, I had a lot of great conversations with players from each of the programs, staff members. I made sure to talk to opponents of these teams, too. I talked to at least one player from each of the Big East teams that played BC and at least one, one player from each of the opponents in the ECAC North, uh, the predecessor to the NAC and America East that played against uh, BU and Northeastern at the time, to try to give the a book, the book a, a flavor of how the opposition felt as well. So people were incre- incredibly cooperative and helpful. And one thing that's remarkable is how much a lot of the guys in these three teams are still close friends. I talked to one guy, and all of a sudden they put me in touch with five other guys that they were still on a, on a text chain with on a regular basis. So it, 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 people were very helpful in terms of making this book happen. What about Mike Jarvis? You know, he's kind of a forgotten figure a little bit in the Boston area. He overshadowed at times by uh, Calhoun, Patino. But I always felt Mike was a very good coach at BU and, of course, a high school coach of Patrick Ewing at Cambridge, Ringe, and Latin. Uh, what about him? Uh, what can you tell us about him and how he got started? Well, I'm, I'm making the argument in the book he belongs in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I think he makes a very unique contribution not only bringing BU, St. John's, and George Washington to the NCAA tournament, but also the role he plays in, in, in grooming and mentoring Patrick Ewing and making sure that scouts didn't come in from all over the place and, and exploit a very young player who had a family that had recently immigrated to America, making sure they were able to have a very normal life while he's being recruited by basically every school in the country. Mike Jarvis is a guy from Cambridge. He plays at Ringe Tech. They win a state title in 1962. He ends up going to Northeastern. He's a uh, He's a backup on Dick Dukeshire's fantastic Northeastern teams during the 1960s. And by the middle of his college career, Dukeshire is already saying to him, you could be a coach. You're sort of like a, a coach for us. You, you play strong defense in practice. You don't regularly play. But um, the, always being on the, on the practice squad, um, preparing his opponents, made Jarvis very well prepared for coaching. So Jarvis, despite being a, a career bench player at Northeastern, is immediately a grad assistant at Northeastern. Uh, coaches there for several seasons, is an assistant all the way through Calhoun's uh, first year at Northeastern. He ends up going over to Harvard and working with Satch Sanders for a few years, and then becomes the coach at the merged Cambridge Ringe and Latin, his alma mater, Ringe Tech, as well as Cambridge Latin, and transforms them into one of the great high school teams in history with, of course, Patrick Ewing and Carl Hobbs and Ramil Robinson. And he goes on from there to become one of the great college coaches uh, in, in history, too. So he has a very unique journey. Uh, journey to the top. Leighton Truder, we appreciate your time on this Sunday morning. We should tell everybody out there because we can't. Rec- I can't recommend this book enough. Boston Ball is now fifty percent off. Is that right, Clayton? How do fans find that deal? Yeah, if you ha- if you head over to Bitly slash Boston Ball, you'll find the the promo code B I T period L Y slash Boston Ball. There's there's a promo code available on the publisher's website if you follow that link uh, to, yeah, to get significant savings on the book. You can also find the details on my social media at Clayton Cruder on Twitter. I'm on Facebook too. Thank you guys so much for having me. No, it's an outstanding book, Clayton. I know a labor of love and best of luck with it. And Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas to you guys too. Thank you so much. You got it. Clayton Truder, the author of Boston Ball. And, you know, Tim, I, all those, all those stories, and I know you, you laughed. I saw you on Zoom laughing at some uh, recollections that he had, and I know you've, you've heard a lot of them. 
about Williams and Patino and Calhoun. But there's a guy that we didn't talk about, really. He mentioned him for a little bit. I think you can write a book about this guy. Maybe it has already been written. I'm not sure, but it should be written. Kevin Mackey. You could talk to Kevin Mackey for literally hours about basketball. I know you respect his knowledge like many coaches do. This guy is a walking encyclopedia, and he's had quite a career in many areas. Yeah, really good coach, too. Really brilliant offensive mind. Uh, yeah, he could talk your ear off all day long. But, yeah, you know, the thing is, when Clayton talks about this, it bring, does bring back a lot of memories. And, you know, and it should be noted, obviously, you know, we're heavy into pro sports now, especially in the Boston area. Uh Rhode Island really appreciates college basketball more than Boston does. But back in those days, it was both. It was both because those guys were getting started there. They're all fighting for the turf. And, and, and as he says, Hall of Fame coaches, you know, Gary Williams, Rick Patino, and Jim Calhoun. That's all you need to know. You, you don't need to say anything else except that they made their mark in Boston. So good stuff. Good stuff for him as we head into the thick of college basketball after the holidays. And Patino's St. John's Storm playing BC today at the Barclays Center, 4.30 on ESPNU, as it's the NABC Classic, a busy day at the Barclays Center, and the Eagles will take on St. John's. That's a big game for BC uh, as they try to enhance their resume in this early season. They had that hiccup against Loyola Chicago. I called their game last week against NC State. They lost in overtime. Clearly an improved team. But I think this will be a barometer game for them and for St. John's. Yeah, I think St. John's is starting to play better. They've got, they've been banged up with some injuries, but uh, they should be in the top part of the Big East. And we've talked about Providence and Brown today at noon uh, at the Amp. Should be an interesting game as well. And, uh, yeah, we're getting into college basketball. It's We're starting to get into it. As fo- yesterday was the last regular season football game. And we'll get to the Bulls. We'll get to the college football playoff. We'll get to – the playoff without your Seminoles in it, uh, which is still shocking to me, but uh, it's good banter. Actually, it's a Sunday, so that means there's NFL today. So uh, a little Chiefs, Bills, and uh, Cowboys, Eagles. So we got a couple games to pay attention to today, which should be fun. Yeah, and don't get me started on Florida State. Uh, I I t- tweeted this. I to me, the word you use is incomprehensible, and I know it's been over the top on some levels, and there's drama. And it, but you know what? There should be, because someone has to explain to me what they did wrong. Their quarterback gets hurt beyond their control. They lose their best player, but you know what? They didn't lose. They won. Who cares? They won ugly. They beat Louisville ten to six. I love that. Are they getting artistic points now? Is that what the committee's looking at? Uh, but John, they're not understand. Alabama. Don't you understand? What's that, Joe? Florida State. They're, they're not Alabama. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I do get that, and I know they don't play in that SEC conference. Uh, but it's just really beyond the pale. Uh, a horrible look. Uh, they should be in. It's all about preserving the sanctity of the Rose Bowl and the sanctity of the bowl system, which is so antiquated anyway. That's what this whole thing was founded upon. Maybe next year we won't be talking about this. I hope we're not when there's 12 teams in the playoff. And I know it's maybe a little fleeting and people around here really don't care, but too bad. Allow me a minute to get on my soapbox. It was a brutal decision to not pick the Seminoles. And good for Joe, good, good for Jim Phillips, good for Michael Alford, the AD at Florida State, good for Mike Norvell, 
good for our colleagues at ESPN who went off on it. Some did, some didn't. Uh, but you know what? They should have because Florida State should be in the playoff. They were undefeated. That's the goal. This just in. You finish the season undefeated, you should be rewarded. Yeah. You know, and uh, Boo Corrigan, I thought, did a good job of standing up there. I, I, you know, you know, I know th those weren't his true feelings because, you know, he's an he's an athletic director in the ACC and a, and a good one. And uh, but you know, it, th those guys in that room, uh, the other guys are, I'm sure, the ones that uh, it, it's it's just beyond. It, you feel bad for the players. You really do. Yeah, you know how. You know, you you step on the field in August and you finish the you finish playing in December, or November, November, and you haven't lost, and you're playing in the ACC, and you're still not in the college football playoff. It's it's ridiculous. It really is. It, it totally is. And you know, they, they 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 did exactly what they needed to do. With oh, by the way, they should be applauded with a third string quarterback and gutting out a, a really good Louisville team who they. Their defense. So what? You're winning with defense. That's okay. You can win with defense. It's all right. I know not many teams do in college football. That Florida State defense is a top five defense now. They clearly dominated Louisville. Couldn't move the ball at all. Who I saw up close and personal, who put 56 on BC. That's a really good Louisville offense. Oh, by the way, the team that scored the most points against Florida State this year, your Boston College Eagles, Tim Welsh. 29 points against Florida State in week two. Yeah, I mean... You know, Boston College has had that ability. You play that game all day long. I heard somebody say that. Well, they only beat BC by, you know, barely beat BC. But you, what did Alabama do with it? Just a mediocre Auburn team. They should, Correct. For, for if it weren't for horrendous coaching by Auburn, you know, Alabama would have been out. And Texas, you know, I, I'd like to pit Florida State against Texas any day of the week and see what happens. I don't think Texas is that good either. No, I think Texas is uh, doing it with smoke and mirrors, but, you know, good for them. It should still be entertaining. Alabama-Michigan will be a hell of a ball game. No question. At the Rose Bowl, that's going to be a lot of fun. But it would have been a lot of fun, too, with Florida State. And Don't give me this winning ugly stuff. Who cares that you accomplished the goal? I don't care about winning ugly. You win, you win, it's okay. You accomplished what you needed to do. We got to take a timeout. Ray Bork is around the corner. With Meter and the coach, Joe Passarelli, you're up next. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.